1: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad Yeah, screw those guys, I don't even like them Mackey and Judd on 1500
3: ESPN Still want to improve offensively And I think there's things that we can do better offensively But also defensively To develop a consistency Of how we want to play defensively I think the big thing for our players uh, Particularly the young guys Who haven't been in the playoffs before I think once you get there It does give you a better understanding Of what it's going to take moving forward so I think the offseason, the work we can do there, and then also as we move forward with draft picks, trades, free agency, we can improve the club that way also.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of generic stuff, a lot of fluff yesterday from... I Monsa read the Badone transcript from that.
2: They, are, they, they would make a football team proud Yeah, in how little they, they said. Layden answered probably four questions and managed to say absolutely nothing.
0: Well, I but I do think yeah, Layden's even more close to the vest than Tom Thibodeau. Like I think sometimes, I think Tibbs hears criticism more than he lets on, and then will like lash out a little bit more, like the Derrick Rose stuff or uh, you know whatever. Like he gave a generic answer to criticism yesterday. But I do think let's play one more clip here, and then I I do think they understand a
3: couple things for sure. We're looking to add wings, you know, and I think uh, the three point shooting, uh, the ability to play more than one position. The ability to guard your own uh, position—that's become vitally even more important in today's NBA. The speed of the game has changed, uh, and we have to be ready to uh, to attack that.
0: So I think they understand defensively. They were just not good enough. With Jamal Crawford, is not a defensive player. You know, even Derrick Rose, who was okay in the postseason, not a defensive player. Like they understand how bad they were defensively. I think they understand the deficiency in three point shooting between them and the top teams in the Western Conference. Although, like, from a Timberwolves standpoint, they've actually been really good shooting threes. That's what Tibbs said. Because historically, they've never been good at shooting threes. Yep. uh, And Andrew Wiggins. So one of the themes from yesterday was that they do plan, according to what they're saying, they plan to build around Butler, Cat, and Wiggins for the foreseeable future. Which means four things. And I want to get your thoughts on this. It means, number one, they're going to have to pay a ton of luxury tax going forward. If they put all those guys on max contracts, like they've got, they've got Jeff Teague making $19, $20 million Gorgie Jang, unless they can move that contract. So if they plan to give max contracts in the next two years to cat and Butler, in addition to Wiggins, not only will they be well above the salary cap, they will be flirting with, if not blowing past the luxury tax, which I don't think Glenn Taylor wants to do. So that's a, that's a hurdle. Number two, they'll probably have to say goodbye to Jeff Teague's salary. They'll probably have to trade Jeff Teague away because, you know, if you want these other three guys, but you don't want to go over the luxury tax, then Jeff Teague is probably the one that you would say, all right, well, we'll get a cheaper point guard in here and uh, maybe Tyus Jones takes over a a bigger role. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to pray that Wiggins gets better if you're going to pay max contracts to three players and play with scrubs around the rest of your roster. And then you're going to have to hope, number four, that the non-star players on your team are contributing a lot more than they did this past season. So that's why I don't buy the whole... like Those are those are almost like non-negotiable things. Yeah. I just don't buy the fact that they're going to give max contracts to all three of those guys and expect that to be the, the formula and the blueprint that works in the Western Conference.
2: It's why I think Andrew gets dealt, if they can. It doesn't make sense to keep those three. And with Tibbs here, there's no way that... that Unless Butler comes to him and says, I'm gone, which I don't think he will, there's no way that that they're going to sever ties with those two cats you have to keep cats a fantastic player cats only going to improve the wiggins factor and the mistake made in this could only be somewhat rectified by trading him and if you had the ability salary wise to absorb all three of those contracts you might not and, and take the shot that he's going to develop and actually improve which i have my doubts about but Because of where things stand with the cap, which shot up astronomically two years back, not as much last year, and now has stabilized way more, I think that's why everything is aimed towards building Wiggins' value up through Tibbs as much as possible and trying to trade him.
0: If they were to go forward, like you just said, and trade Andrew Wiggins, I would have a really, really sort of off-putting feeling about the fact that they blew through... This collection of young players, Gorgie Jang, Shabazz Muhammad being kind of the oldest of of that bunch, to Chris Dunn, to Zach Levine, and then eventually to Andrew Wiggins, and like Tyus Jones hasn't been, been given a whole lot of room to... Get out there for 20, 25 minutes on a regular basis. That they would have blown through that entire collection of young players in order to expedite a winning process that's blocked anyways because you've got the Rockets and the Warriors in your conference. Yeah. I mean, then you're literally only left with Carl Anthony Towns and a bunch of veterans or whatever you would get in return for Andrew Wiggins. So, correct. Like, I'm conflicted here because I do think someone's going to unlock more of Wiggins' potential. Like, maybe he's not going to be the player that you thought, but someone's going to, if Tom Thibodeau can't unlock Andrew Wiggins, and they're just going to keep trading young players for veterans and run into the same Western Conference roadblocks. I have a problem with that. That's not an optimal but, but strategy. That's, but
2: that's going to be the plan. Uh, you, you you can have a problem as much as you want, but the plan is going to be with Tibbs here. The plan has to be short term. It's going to be. He's. But they're not going to. I mean, he. The, the, but but okay. he. Came, but he came here. They're not beating
0: the. They're not beating the Warriors I, I or the Rockets get, I, in the next I two years. I get that,
2: Phil. But he came here with a plan that he sold to win. He, to win quickly. Everything he does as a coach is is to win quickly, and he is the president of your basketball operations, meaning every decision he makes is to appease the coach, which is him. So when he was hired, the this plan was essentially put into place, and And there's nothing that we've seen from this guy that says that he embraces developing young players. There's nothing that, that we've seen f- from this guy that says he's got patience. And by the way, the team is owned by a guy who saw his team go 13 years without a playoff berth and now says, I want to be in the playoffs as long as possible. I don't know, Phil, that they look at this like you do and like I I do to a certain degree, which is, all right, the Warriors and Rockets are really damn good and we need to build something to get past them. But the the common sense factor there tells you you can't do it right this second. It's going to take some time. I don't think they see that. I think what Tibbs sees is, Tibbs is the bull in the china shop. And he's going to go through that china shop any way he sees fit. And if it doesn't work, well then damn it, he took his chance.
0: Well, here's what might be clouding his judgment too. His Bulls teams absolutely put up fights in the postseason. And they they gave LeBron teams a run. I mean, they definitely, even without Derrick Rose... Game to game, you watch some of those and they were like, LeBron and Dwayne Wade were getting frustrated. There was animosity. But what happened in the end? They weren't good enough. And they got hurt and there were some injuries. But even Correct. if Derrick Rose had been full strength those years, I'm sorry, those Bulls teams weren't good enough to beat LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Heat teams that were regularly going to the NBA Finals or or the LeBron James Cavs. There might have been an overlap there at some point. but
1: mm-hmm.
0: So if you're just romanticizing about man how competitive those Bulls teams were. Right, but you can't just like put that same band back together only to hope to like <laughs> scrap in a five or six game series, which is kind of what they did against the Rockets. I mean, it's it's that Rocket but, series with that roster half full of Bulls was very reminiscent of what happened five, six, seven, eight years yeah. ago, Bulls teams against LeBron teams in the Eastern Conference. But
2: tell Tibbs that he doesn't get that.
0: He's going. I am at, telling him that if he listens
2: at every at every turn, he's going to take his shot, and you can you can reason. This is the problem. Who's going to tell him that? Scott Layton. Well, Scott Layton's not going to tell tell him. Hey, Tom. Guess what? I work for you, but what you're doing really doesn't make a lot of sense well, here necessarily. I, I
0: would say the hope is, and I and I do believe that he he's very much aware of the three point gap. He's very much aware of like Andrew Wiggins' deficiencies. If you're going to start with any kind of a blueprint here of of what you currently have. Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, let's say for the next three years, and I don't know what that looks like contractually because Jimmy Butler has one year left and will be in the market for something more than like a two- or three-year short-term deal, unless he just wants to go, you know what, though? Some of these other guys, like LeBron's going two-year contracts, or some of these guys, I don't know what he's going to sign. He's going to want a max deal for sure. But let's just say your goal is to build around Towns and Butler for at least the next two to three years while you figure out how long Butler is going to be able to play at this level. Mm Mm-hmm. Those two guys surrounded by a bunch of versatile three-point shooting defensive players mm-hmm. that can be interchangeable, like they can they can switch on defense, which if Wiggins could shoot threes and had a little bit more fire, like that would be absolutely Andrew Wiggins. That gets me a little bit fired up. All right. You got two of the better players in the NBA. Towns is still ascending. Butler, if he's back healthy, is still in his prime for maybe a couple of years. And you take those two players and put a system and you put complementary guys around them that aren't entirely ball centric. One of their biggest issues is Jeff Teague needs the ball and he dribbles the air out of the ball for 20 seconds. A lot of possessions. I mean, he's a good offensive player, but he's not exactly he's not the facilitator that Ricky Rubio was. Um, but Tom Thibodeau's system doesn't work well with a Ricky Ed Rubio. Want right. That. Yes. Andrew Wiggins is super ball centric, but doesn't shoot threes very, very well. Uh, Jamal Crawford is Super Bowl-centric, and he's an inefficient scorer. Derrick Rose is Super Bowl-centric and doesn't shoot threes very well. you got to scrap that. You've got to scrap that. They have to be guys who are unselfish, who can stand out there and pop threes from the corner. i got your only hope here. Your only hope for, for what you just said to
2: actually come to fruition with this team is this. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is the assistant GM of this team. I'm convinced he's the only guy that can get through to Tibbs. If Jimmy Butler agrees with what you just said, it's got a chance. If he doesn't, you're cooked. But Jimmy Butler, Tibbs, going through the entire season, the only player that that Tibbs actually looked like he was somewhat concerned what he thought about, what when he talked about him, chose his words incredibly, incredibly carefully, was Jimmy Butler. If Jimmy Butler comes to him and says, Tom, here's what you have to do, here's what I want, I think he does it, but the one thing is—you're saying that
0: Jimmy Butler doesn't think that three-point shooting is valuable, or what do you? Suggest? No, 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 no.
2: I'm saying if, if the plan that you want, if if what you're talking about is going to ha- to happen, so if your ideal is met, it's going to be via Jimmy Butler conveying that to Tibbs. The only two people, the two people who are the most powerful basketball operations people with this franchise are Tibbs, Tibbs the executive, Tibbs the coach, and Butler. And besides that. I don't think there's anyone who, who can get through two Tibbs. So my point is, if you are if you are going to watch a Wolves game and say, "Oh my gosh, this is coming together. This is nice. It's going to be the Tibbs Butler plan." Uh, and the one thing is, Butler is absolutely going to demand a max contract because Jimmy Butler's a smart dude, and Jimmy Butler knows with the way he plays that a max contract makes perfect sense. Well,
0: but he has he has said that like, and I and I kind of believe him he's going to make money regardless of what kind of contract he signs. And he's already made more money than he will ever need in his entire life. And he wants to win championships. So if, and I believe him that championships are probably more important than the best contract. So if this is a made up example, but if LeBron James goes to Los Angeles and Paul George goes to Los Angeles and after next year, they say, listen, dude, we can't pay you a max contract, but if you want to come over here for like 12 or $15 million and win a championship with us, Come on over. I think he would do that over sign back with a LeBron, flawed Wolves saying? team or something. Oh, Butler, you're saying? Butler, I'm saying. I'm saying Butler would take less money to make money, or to, 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 to win, win championship? championships. But uh, are the Wolves going to be in a position to make that happen? My primary point is this.
2: For Tibbs to do what you want him to do, Jimmy Butler is going to be have to play a role in saying this is a good idea.
0: Okay. Hey, Jimmy, you need more three-point shooters in defense. He'd be like, okay, cool. Like It's not that hard of a formula. No, no, no. Out. I'm saying he's got to go to Tibbs, and they sit, sit down and formulate this. No, plan. I know. I know. It's not, but That's like, what's going to have to happen. Dave, what kind of questions do you have for us when we come back?
1: I do have a Wolves question to get into, as well as one about the top overall pick in the recently completed NFL draft. Okay. Mackie and Judd are back. I've been waiting for this for a long time. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and Judd. Do
2: you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance.
1: What do you got for us, David Harrigan? I've got questions, Judd. I know you do. That's what the intro says, and that's what I provide. And I bet it's three hard-hitting, controversial questions. They always are. Yesterday in that press conference with Tibbs and... I guess Scott Layden was there. Didn't have much to say, oh. but he was there. <laughs> He's a super paranoid guy. Well, you know, He what Coach must have had has... some
0: bad experiences in New York, maybe. I mean, he had, he had a bad run in New York. They made a bunch of bad trades. I like Keep that in mind when he starts to... He's got this track record of, oh, he learned a bunch in San Antonio and Utah, you know, his father yeah. in Utah. But yep. he has this weird stint of like four years or maybe less than that in New York where he made a bunch of bad moves and kind of helped shipwreck the franchise.
2: I like, I like Scott. He seems like a very nice guy. He joined I joined us at the fair a couple years ago. I mm-hmm. think he That's might lovely. have to ask Tibbs, though, for, for permission to go potty. <laughs> coach, can I go potty? <laughs> no! <laughs> Sit there! Don't rotate either! They have a hall pass system? Is that what you're saying? I, he just, it, it, it's always coach. Coach said this. Coach said that. You know what coach said was great. Oh, okay, I don't. Uh, you're the GM. <laughs> Not really, though. Oh, what does the Spielman calls
1: Mike Zimmer Coach Zimmer.
2: Yeah, but he doesn't defer to him. Constantly
1: in his answers and press conferences. Anyway. Well, one's the president of basketball operations, Judd. The other's the GM. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Just anyway. to explain the situation that Tibbs is his boss. So that's kind of how that works. Okay, He has Dave. to suck up a little bit. A your... little bit? All right. So Tibbs said yesterday, obviously on the off-season to-do list at the uh, appropriate time, is to get Carl uh, Anthony Towns locked up with the old Max deal, as well as reach out to Jimmy Butler to try to get him locked into a contract extension. Quick answer, what's the percentage that each of those deals gets done? Uh, I'll
2: go first. Um, 95%. With with the current administration in place,
0: 95%. Both of them, you saying? Yeah, they'll both get done. Towns and Butler. Yeah, is that the question? Very high. Boy. Oh... I don't think Butler's going to sign a max contract
1: with the Timberwolves. I think he's going to wait. I think he's going to play out the season and wait until next offseason. All right. Well, that's the the real question then. Judd, you take Towns. Outline the scenario in which he doesn't sign. Oh, he would so have... You got Jimmy.
2: Okay. Uh, Towns not signing would have to absolutely hate it here, would have to hate Tibbs, would have to hate Wiggy, would have to hate Butler... Uh, Because he can get the max contract, which will will clearly give him substantially more than than he can get elsewhere. Uh, So for at least this next negotiation, the only scenario under which he wouldn't come back is if he hates his life, which I don't think. Um, I mean, you would need to be miserable beyond belief because it's a it's a life changing financial payday that only the wolves can give you. So that's why I think that contract gets done.
0: I think, yeah, I I agree with Judd on that. Since I'm taking the Butler side here, I would say two, well, three reasons why Jimmy Butler will wait until he gets to survey the landscape. Even though you know, maybe, maybe wear and tear brings his value down. Like he'll still be a good player and a player worthy of being on a on a team that's pushing for a championship, even like 30, 31 years old. I think. But um, number one would be the fact that he doesn't care as much about money as other players do if you take him at his word. And I think I do. I think you just like I said last segment, I think he wants to win championships. Uh, Number two, look at the landscape of teams in the NBA right now and power shifting. I mean, the Sixers are popping up as a power. Oklahoma City is fading as a power. LeBron James might be on a different team. So so that ties in with the number three reason, which is there's a lot of star players that have contracts coming up either this year or next year. I mean, Kevin Durant, I think, is on a shorter-term contract. Not that he's going to go away from Golden State, but LeBron might be on a different team. Paul George might be on a different team. There's just going to be a lot of things changing in the next year or two, much like there has been in the NBA for five or six years now. And if I'm Jimmy Butler, I don't know if I want to marry myself to Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. I'd, I'd want to see and... Survey my options as I get toward the uh, back end of my prime.
1: Question number two is the Twins fell to 9-15 and 15 with yesterday's loss to the Toronto Blue Jays. Is the Twins team going to be at 500 again this year? Wow. And if you say yes, when? when? I
0: mean, that's a great question. Of course it is. All right. I need to find a spot in their schedule. I'm going to say yes. You got
1: four with the White Sox coming up after this Jays series.
0: It's going to have to happen quickly, I think, while they're still interested and while Dozier is still on the team. So you got four against the Whiteies, but then you got some tough games, you know, St. Louis and the Angels. Here's the stretch. Here's the stretch. The answer is yes. And it's going to happen sometime in Early June. Because from the middle of May, you get three against Detroit, three against Kansas City. There are a couple other series in here like Cleveland, Seattle, sprinkled in, but you get four against the White Sox, three more against Detroit. You play your division a lot in May and June. I think they're gonna fight back and get back to five hundred the first or second week in June. I'm gonna keep my optimistic glasses on. Drinking my twins Kool
1: Aid. Another five or six weeks, you're saying. Okay. No. (laughs) Um, All right. And here's why I say no.
2: I wrote this team off a minimum of three times last year. And in each case, I was wrong. And in each case, I ignored. I ignored the counsel of Derek Wetmore, who is way more glass half full, who covers the team, who probably has a better feel because he's around the team on a much more frequent basis. And when he told me Saturday, Judd, they're done. This is done. They're cooked. It's over. I was like, are you serious? It's April. And I go back to two years ago in 2016 when both you guys are like, this is going to be awful. This is going to be, this, this isn't bad. It's disastrous. So for Derek to tell me flat out, I think they're done, I take that seriously so no, I have. I don't think they're going to get back to five hundred again this year, and I have grave fear that this is really going to continue to turn bad. Grave. I have grave. Fear. I, I have grave. Grave I, fear. I, I have a sinking feeling that we're going to be doing a four-hour show in late June or early July with the Twins being toast, and it's not going to be fun. And I'm mad about it. I'm upset with the team. I'm upset with with the entire franchise. Sports Reaper,
1: the Reaper of Sports. Judd is here to bury your team's hopes and dreams six feet under that's where they go
2: i'm mad at a lot of people here i'm <laughs> mad at a lot of people i'm mad that i pay
1: name a... names let's go oh, I'm, I'm...
2: one i'm mad that i pay a lot for a cable package on which i get sunshine blown up my butt on a nightly basis when i'd like some realistic aside from our guy roy that's the one good thing Morno's been get pretty Mo- pretty morno you get roy you get some of those guys they at least are telling me the truth
1: but I mean, it was a beautiful day sunday
2: But I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear... You know where this really went wrong and it's not being pointed out enough? You know what? You know what? Domino number one was here, boys. I'm going to tell you very simply. And it's because you didn't ask me and you didn't listen to me. Bat and barrel. The baseball gods said, are you serious? A pretentious bar name? A pretentious bar name for your new bar? You're bleeped!
1: That's where it all started to go wrong. You know what? Is it any more pretentious than catch, though? You Maybe know, place catch, no, and
2: last year went just fine. Yeah, because you still had the Metropolitan Club. You offset the pretentiousness of catch, because you're right. Let's go to catch tonight.
0: Is hey, it, man, let's hang out at it, it, it is kind of funny, like, when you're trying to explain to someone. Like, I can explain to someone, oh, go to Herbex. Yep, Town or, Ball Tavern. Herbex Bar, Town yeah. Ball Tavern. Yeah, let's meet at catch. I'm sorry. <laughs> <I> come again? <laughs> what? Right. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's catch. It's what is it? Is it a pl- a, pla- a place? It's a it's a
2: cocktail bar? And then you punt on that and say, you know what? No, forget it. Let's meet at Bat and Barrel.
0: <laughs> is
2: that near Bachelor
0: Farmer? No, sorry. It's in the stadium. <laughs> Bachelor Farmer. That is a precious name. <laughs> the Bachelor
2: Farmer. Well, you po- pointed it out, though. Bat and Barrel is nothing more than an extension of all these two School names. Stable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, did Gavin Kaysen help come up <laughs> with the name? I love Gavin, but... <laughs> Anyways, do we have a third question, or was that the third question? No,
1: that was question number two. I'm okay, making a uh, an alteration to the question because it's just too much fun. Let's say you're out at a bar, you know, having some drinks with some friends, and those friends happen to uh, include Tom Thibodeau. He happens to be among the group, sharing a couple beers, and the <laughs> waiter oh, I think or waitress he skips uh, right past the beer, comes by, I and think and he says, goes right to the top shelf, of the brown stuff, and says, oh. "Hey, can I get you anything else?" Obviously, he answers. We're looking to add wings.
3: (laughs) We're looking to add wings.
1: Now, obviously, we know what he wants. Let's find out what you want. Now,
3: humans compete. We
0: like rankings.
1: Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Bar appetizer rankings. Knowing you're with the group and you might only get a couple. Wow. So uh, it's very important that you get something you really love.
2: Start with number three for me, if you'd be so kind. One,
0: two, number
2: three. Uh, surprisingly low, I know to you guys, but I am going to go with wings. Wings is only number three on
1: my list. Number two. Do you differentiate between boneless and bone in? By the way. I uh, not really. No, I'm I'm fine both ways.
2: Bone. I like bone in. <laughs> the wife likes boneless. So so when we went, so when we quit, you're laughing. So when (laughs) sorry, you said you're fine both ways. So (laughs) so when we went to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings before the soccer match on Saturday, we went boneless because she likes the boneless. She does not like bone in. Yeah, keep telling yourself that.
0: Number
2: one. I wasn't done with number two.
0: Number two.
2: I bet Dave's gonna cringe, but you know what? I like a little bit of it of as far as apps go, and Phil might actually be on board with this calamari. No, oh, no, love it. Okay, yeah. Uh, now, now it does depend because it very much differs from place to place to place how, how they do it. But calamari is number two on my list.
0: Number one. You
2: thinking I'm not cultured. Oh, old school guy here, but I'm going nachos. I love nachos.
0: I feel like they get a little. I don't know. They got to be perfectly. Yeah, but let's the say is once you get to the middle portion, okay, but it's either
2: all chips or it's soggy. But let's say if if it's brought to your table and it's a group, and I got my small plate, so I'm taking I'm taking the fork and hand to sort of shovel some on. I'm going to get a pretty good helping of nachos there.
0: Okay, I'm just I just question the makeup of the nachos sometimes, which is why it's often it's my place heart. to place again sure. too. Uh, well, you stole one of mine, so I, number three. One, two. Number three is calamari. I'll even go for the more like real like squiddy looking ones. The ones with the, like the little octopus no tentacles. Problem. Mm-hmm. You know? I, yeah. I'll go for those two. Yum.
3: Number two. <laughs>
0: Number two, just a giant basket of tater tots. You know, go to, go to stray dog, go somewhere, just get a giant basket of tater tots and everyone can kind of you know, put their own ketchup, mustard, whatever aioli combination they want to dip on their own plate. Number one. Number one. Uh, this is might be a little off the board for some people, but and it's and there are very few restaurants that do this and do this the right way. Scotch eggs. Ugh, you lost me. That's fine. That means I get to eat more of the appetizer. Oh, you've got all the it's scotch also a good strategy eggs. for like if you like just want to eat all of the scotch eggs, you can order that as an appetizer and. Have you? Have you? Are you in or out on Scotch
1: eggs, Dave? I have never eaten a Scotch egg. Brits, right? You look like you're. Explain to me exactly what a Scotch egg is, because I couldn't describe it. Okay, so it's a
0: hard-boiled egg wrapped in sausage, like a sausage ball around it, and then deep-fried around that. And they cut it in half, and you eat it like a little little boat. Dip it in some.
1: Dip it in some kind of a sauce. I'm not big. On the hard-boiled eggs, I'll I'll eat it if it's you know in something. But just eating like a hard-boiled egg itself, not my cup of tea. So you I'd could pop the egg out and out. just eat the deep-fried sausage. And that's if you where I'd to. probably in. Yes, I think I'd have wow. to do that. You can eat my hard-boiled egg. I'll just eat the sauce. <laughs> right. Just the deep-fried sauce. Very suggestive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're getting some awesome suggestions on our pecking
0: order from earlier. The maddening, most maddening twins players of your life watching the twins. You and I had different lists of 10, and uh, we got to go. You posted on Twitter, and you're getting a bunch of responses. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to that. 651-646-8255.
3: Phil Mackey. The thing about Phil is he's he's so temptable. He likes to go the thrill route. That's what makes Phil exciting. Judd Zolgad.
0: Judd, have you wandered away from the house again?
3: <laughs> Mackey
1: and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
3: Another one, too. Slug to right field. That's it a ton. Grossman doesn't know where it is because it's gone. A mammoth two-run <laughs> homer for Justin Smoke to straightaway right
0: field. His fourth of the season is a two-run shot, and it is nothing Blue Jays. Okay, I, he no I just, like, it it just occurred to me how amazing of a troll job that was by the play-by-play guy. And back goes Grossman to the fence. Oh, where's the ball? You can't find it because it's gone. Listen to this again. <laughs> Another one, too. Slug to right field. That's it a ton. Grossman doesn't know where it
3: is because it's gone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and
2: it's
3: probably.
0: Back goes Rosario. Look up. Oh, you can't find it? That's right. It's a bleeping bomb.
2: And that's probably true. And that's probably true that he couldn't find the the ball at all. Because when it was in the ballpark, there were times last night that poor Robbie Grossman (laughs) couldn't find the baseball. Like the ball that kepler would have caught that flew right over the poor guy's head
0: yeah all right who, who are we missing you posted your list yeah of twins players maddening twins players from our packing order who, who people have been chiming in with suggestions who, who'd who we miss who, who have we omitted from our list
2: uh stealth power submits the names pedro Floriman, the former shortstop let's go one by one here
0: wow that's a great pull from a dark era of Twins Baseball. A guy who I think is still bumming around rosters as a yeah, defensive utility right. player, right? Phillies? I think he might be on the— f- I Phillies? think he might
2: be on the— fe- I think. Oh, you know what he did? Um, Early in the season, I think they brought him in when they were getting blown out to pitch. Okay. Uh, hey. Pedro Floriman's Stealth Power, uh, also submits Sano, who you did. Uh, one that I, I regret not including on my list, actually. This is a great one. Aaron Hicks. Yeah, uh, the fact that he came in on Memorial Day, what 2012 or 13, and said, "Skip, I'm done. Switch hitting. I'm just going to hit from the left side. I think. Oh no, from the right. From side. the right side, and then Gardner's. Oh, oh, okay, you're in the lineup today against you, uh, Darvish. You're Darv- <laughs>
0: And I couldn't <laughs> tell, like, was that Ron Gardenhire trying to prove a point to Aaron Hicks? Oh, you want to face That's a right-handed was. pitcher from the right side of the plate for the first time basically since, like, you were 10? Okay. Aaron Or Hicks. maybe ever? And, it's going to be you, Darvish.
2: And here's a frequent—I've seen this at least four or five times uh, on my Twitter feed since I put this out there. Joe Maurer. No, I can't. For, I, uh, I wouldn't yeah. go there. Some people do though. But yeah, there's a lot of people that think that Joe Maurer should be on this top ten list of ten most maddening twins.
0: It all depends on your expectations when you're watching Joe. If you watched Joe through or or even to this day, but like even during his prime, if you watched him through the lens of well, six foot four left handed hitters with that big of a frame usually swing with an uppercut and hit bombs into the right field porch, and this guy never does that, then I could see why he would be one of the most maddening players to watch.
1: Have uh, we not got Nick
2: Punto yet? I got one Nick Punto with a question mark. Flying head first into the first base. That's the only
1: reason. Yeah. Diving head first into first. Mr. Yeah. Charlie Hustle.
0: He also had this pretty incredible trend of every other year he would have these pop-up seasons. I mean, he was unplayably bad offensively for like 2 or 3 years with the Twins, but then in 2006, the guy batted 290 Played go-glove defense at third base. Stole 17 bases. Like, they could hit him anywhere in the order, you know, top or bottom of the order. And then the next year, he goes from 290 to 210. And then back up to 284. And then back down to 228. was like first the whole time? Yes. Uh, Josh
2: submits so a really good one here that we didn't put on our list. Marty Cordova. Okay. Marty Cordova was a maddening twin.
0: Just because he... He flamed he, out after the first two yeah, years. Yeah, well, he
2: flamed out, and then he was clearly a, a Roy guy. And he also he was just a goofball. And he was he he was rookie of the year. I think it was in '96 or so. Cordova's a good one.
0: No, I think yeah, '95 rookie of the year, and the '96 was 95. the second year follow up. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that was uh, right I in my I knowledge. think I haven't seen this one yet, but I would assume that that Brad Radke and Scott Baker would be among maddening Twins pitchers to watch because of their propensity to give up long home runs. Yeah, they have
2: not made a list that I've seen, yeah.
0: And in fairness, like, Brad Radke got a bad rap for giving up bombs, but that guy pitched in the middle
1: of the steroid era, too. And with Radke, it was always the first inning bomb, right? Yeah, so, That's not the big issue? And solo shots, for the most part, correct? I think so, yeah. It was an early home run yeah. to get him down so one it didn't, zip. it
0: didn't kill you. How about Matt Capps? Tyler. Oh. Tyler submits Matt Capps, who is a maddening player to watch. I mean, the he was fine his first three months as closer, but they didn't need him. It was more about... It was if, a trade. It's what Matt Caps represented, right? The fact that you had these conversations about Cliff Lee. You really needed a power-arm starting pitcher, someone who could go into Yankee Stadium or against that lineup and could get some of the best hitters in the world out. Can you get Jeter out? Can you get Cano out? And they, instead of doing that, traded a franchise catcher for the 15th best closer in baseball. That's what he no, represents. He's,
1: he's, it's like hanging onto the Rule 5 guys. Was it J.R. Graham last year? A
0: couple of years, Two ago. Years, Two ago, years ago. Two years ago. J.R. Graham.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> J.R. Graham showed up initially fat, and then I think his second time around, he'd like lost all his weight and Did was off. Did he get buffed. sick, though? And then he got sick, yeah. He got,
0: the Twins had a couple cases. Delman Young was... Oh, that This is a great Delman Young story. Delman Young, between... Was it 2009 and ten. He showed up to spring training like 30 pounds lighter and in great shape, and people were like, whoa, Delman Young. I remember this, yeah. Taking it very seriously this season, and he basically said, oh, I got food poisoning or <laughs> tapeworm or something. <laughs> and then
2: quickly gained weight back, so yeah. he's probably telling the truth. <laughs> I'm going to load up over the next oh, couple
0: no. weeks. Yeah, I've, uh, in fact, I need to finish this interview so I can go find the catered spread inside the clubhouse. <laughs>
2: Brad's got Nick Blackburn, Willie Banks, Mickey Hatcher, Jesse Crane.
0: Whoa, okay, hold on. One by one here. Nick Blackburn. Blackburn's already been, yeah, for sure. Willie Banks. Willie Banks was early on in my time watching the Twins, Banks, that was like a third overall pick. Willie Banks was a out. high
2: draft pick who was supposed to be a complete stud and flamed out quickly. Mickey Hatcher, who was in, acquired from the Dodgers, I think for Kenny Landro in the early 80s, who was a complete goofball and not a terrible player. Jesse Crane. Okay. Fernando Rodney, who will make the list at the rate he's going eventually, Carlos Silva, and Al Williams, who I want to say was a pitcher. Carlos Silva. I guess he could make the list. I don't know that that he'd make mine. I I regret I missed out on Delman. I screwed up there and Hicks for sure. Hmm.
0: I should have put them on my list. Carlos Silva would make it for one game and one game only. I believe it was the 2006 season. It might have been the year where they were really good, and he was—he had a season where he—he he finished with like the lowest walk rate in the history of baseball, or something. He walked like nine batters in 200 innings, or something absurd. But then he got shelled the next year, and they were right on the verge of taking him out of the rotation. It was a day game on a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, against some like the Rays or some crappy team. And if he didn't pitch well, he was gonna get yanked from the rotation. And he gives you five shutout on like fifty seven pitches. Mm-hmm. So plenty of room to keep going and oh my tummy hurts. <laughs> oh my t- I I can't oh my arm, coach, skip. <laughs> Oh my head <laughs> I got a headache. I gotta go. He just like took himself out of the game after five scoreless so that he wouldn't give up a crooked number in the sixth and get yanked from the rotation. Oh.
1: Two thousand five. Remember he threw a seventy-four pitch complete yeah. game. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yes. It was I remember watching it yes. start to finish. It was unbelievable. The two
2: yeah. The two greatest twins games in that vein from the last twenty five to thirty years for me are that game. And the ga- the Saturday night game in two thousand ten, I believe, at Target Field, White Sox Twins that started at six o'clock, and a monsoon hit at like eight thirty. But Pavano, it was Pavano, was it Burley? Pavano Burley, yes. And they just And it was like throw, throw, throw. And it was like two oh one. Just glorious baseball.
0: I love those games. Dude, there are some names. Do you remember this is the two thousand seven roster. Where they had a guy named Carmen Cali come in for twenty four games. Carmen it's amazing. you watch a guy pitch for like almost a full season and there was another guy named Julio De Paula, who had an eight and a half ERA, was on what the team for like this? two months. not even that long ago, like ten years ago. No.
1: They've I don't. run some pitchers out, no, oh, man.
2: Those <laughs> na- I don't remember anything about either one of those names.
1: <laughs> I won't forget Adam Wilk
0: from two years ago. No. Someone said Nick Turley as an example. Oh, like, I, don't even remember. I just remember go. like three times where that guy got shelled. How about Rich Becker? Here's a Rich Becker submission. Again, what are your expectations? If Rich Becker <laughs> is driving he, you crazy. We thought he was going to be great. <laughs> he was going to be Lenny Dykstra. Yeah, like Stachowiak drove me nuts because he was Kent Herbeck's replacement. And, okay, he's not Kent Herbeck. Rich Becker is like, okay, he's Rich Becker.
2: <laughs> like Sorry. I said, he was sold as Len, Len Dykstra. He's going to be the
1: next Nails.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, just stunk. Yes. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio.
1: Mackie and Judd now continue. You're listening to The Wreck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect name for us. We could just switch it right now. On 1500 ESPN.
3: I thought I was
1: ready. Get prepared for the upcoming 71st annual Minnesota Governor's Fishing Opener. Join 1500 ESPN at Tracker Boating Center this Saturday. Chris Reavers will be at the Shakopee location from 9 to 11 and Jess Myers the Forest Lake location from 1 to 3. Hang with the boys. Check out the amazing selection of tracker boats and sign up to win a $100 Bagley Bates prize pack. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, events. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Man, I can't. I, I'm in this
0: rabbit hole right now on baseball reference. I can't Scott, stop stop through rosters? old twins rosters.
2: Which team are you on right now?
0: I've made it to. I just keep going. I'm going backwards. Yeah. Oh, I for a while. I was in the early '90s. Now I'm back to the 2005 season here. All right. Where that was the first year in a few where they didn't make the playoffs. They weren't terrible. They were 83 and 79. Did they make the playoffs in, 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 in two, three, and four? Yep. Okay. This is the year that they tried. Let's see. Terry Mulholland was still on the team. Oh. Okay. Terry Mulholland.
2: Crafty veteran.
0: Yeah. Dave Gassner. <laughs> oh. Dave Gassner. See, these names. That, that name that, rings a bell. That was the Brett Boone year yeah. for sure. Um, Gassner. Yeah. Then they had uh, Michael Kadire at third base. Yep. In 2005? Yeah, I couldn't find a position for him for a while. And some of these... Oh, oh, this guy. Remember Glenn Williams? G L Australian third baseman. Yeah. yeah. Australian third baseman. Yes, I do. Ooh, I don't remember that Yeah, one.
2: provided some great stories because it, it was... the strip did some stuff on him. Like, like well, because uh, he was from
0: Australia and it was just a... Weird stories. Were they great stories? Where it's just just like, oh, he's from Australia. Let's write uh, a story. Yeah, no, I'm he's just, I, I'm just
2: saying it. It provided great is the wrong word. It provided some <laughs> such it, great stories. It provided like fuel. I mean, it provided fu- it provided fuel for stories because of his
1: unusual background for baseball. Yeah. Oh
0: he likes Fosters and pre pre-Luke, yeah, pre-Luke and like that.
1: Hughes. It's flush backwards down there, huh? <laughs> it's cr- it's crazy. His mate. mother was
0: a kangaroo.
2: That was the best part of the story.
0: <laughs> Actually, you know what? Luke Hughes could have been on that list. You just mentioned Luke Hughes, yeah. like on the maddening Twins list, and I mean, you guys have heard the story. Like, he pulled me aside in the clubhouse one time to complain about Roycey. What's up with the clubhouse, mate? Like, I, I don't know. What do you mean, mate? What do you mean? <laughs> he tried to get Roycey banned from the Twins clubhouse. Yeah, that's a good Luke idea. Hughes that's did a good idea. In like 2011. <laughs> that's always going to work. And I think Roycey's line was, "I'll be here longer than you." <laughs> that's Roycey's great line all the time. Brendan Harris once challenged Royce to a fight at the airport. Oh, yeah, on when Twitter. When the Twins were shipping up, shipping him out of town.
1: I remember that. <laughs>
3: what? Yeah, yeah Royce I have heard
1: this story.
0: Oh, yeah. Royce used to pick... On, well, I mean, he picks on everyone, but he used to pick on especially Brendan Harris for just being a cement hands infielder. Yeah. And, and I don't know what the... I can't remember the exact details, but I just remember Royce taking a couple little shots on Twitter, and Brendan Harris said something like, I'll be at the airport at yep, two o'clock. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he basically
2: said, "I'll like a man. I'll be there. Yeah, you buy a ticket <laughs> on my flight, and we'll fight beforehand. And if I win, you'll never get on the flight." Not, not like a fair
1: fight. Your hands Roycey are made don't. of cement. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be sure to hide low and away. Royce,
0: you'll never catch me. Royce once, once told
2: uh, Ticey, Ticey was complaining about something about that that Pat had done in a column, and Patrick told told him, "Mike, here's the deal." We always win. You're going to get fired eventually, and I'm still going to be here. We always win. And it's true. Yeah, well, that's Yeah, exactly. If you be like Chuck Fletcher. Chuck, the media is going to
0: win this one. You're going to get fired. Well, and you would you wouldn't care either way because you guys could still go eat corn dogs and oh we're gonna cookies go to state, fair. state fair. We've been right? in contact. I, I,
2: I can't talk about it too much, but let's just say the plan the plan, your the, cards. the
0: plan the plan the The plan is
2: he wants to come watch the show now. He's very excited about it. Is he going to sit? He's sit curious how radio works. Meet oh, yeah. you at the midway. He's going to sit there and wait for GL to start, like everyone else who shows up at the fair for us.
0: Hey, what time's Joe on? What's Joe like? He's not next, by the way. <laughs> you guys know rookie. We're back tomorrow. Bye.